Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm Nicole Bagley, and today we are in the middle of our six-part business pillar series, and today is business pillar number four, all about pricing and sales. If you've missed our first couple, go back to episode number 79 on June 22nd, 2021, and grab business pillar number one, legal and admin. And then the following week, we had business pillar number two, branding, and then number three, website. Today, we are on to pricing and sales for business pillar number four out of six. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. All right. Hey, everybody. Nicole here. I am back for business pillar number four. You guys, this is my favorite pillar. (laughs) It's um, not really a secret that at some point when I thought about changing careers after being in the zoological animal training field for 13 years, and I was like, oh, what can I do? I actually considered possibly becoming a CPA. I mean nerd alert. (laughs) I love numbers. I love numbers. I love pricing. I love looking at my students pricing and making little tweaks that result in drastically bigger sales for them. It's one of my superpowers and one of my most favorite things to do. If you're an Academy member, be sure to have me review your pricing during a laser coaching or an office hours. If you're an Elevate, uh, we of course will review that as well at any of our calls. So there is nothing I love more than looking at pricing and looking at pricing strategically. There is so much more to pricing than just a hard and fast four times markup rule or a 25% cost of goods sold rule or just charge X, charge Y, charge Z, put it together this way and call it a day. There are so many different ways we can put this together based on what we want to sell, what we want to make, how much time's invested, and all of these other moving parts. Now, the first thing we really need to look at that everybody needs to know for their pricing is how much you hope to make because you can't just say, oh, I want to make more money. Okay, congratulations. Here's a nickel. All right, that's not probably probably not what you had in mind when you said I want to make more money in my photography sessions. So we need to start with this intention with try to determine what our actual sales goal is. Because if we don't have a goal, then we're really just shooting these darts at a wall that might not even have a dartboard that we just don't don't even know what to build our pricing and collections and packages around. We don't know what products to offer. We don't know how much profit we need. Like this is important stuff. The most important thing that you can possibly do for your pricing is to determine your target session average. Now, How do I do that? How do I determine my target session average? Well, I just so happen to have a training that walks you through this process. If you go to hairofthedogacademy.com slash pricing, you can register and it's complimentary. It's a free 45 minute class that takes you through how to figure out your target session average. Really, the basis of it is figuring out how much money you want to make for a profit, calculating how much of money it takes to run your business, and then how much money you would need to have to cover the 
the product costs for the profit that you wanted to, to make, as well as any taxes and things like that. And then looking at the number of hours you want to work on your business, the number of hours it takes for you to take a session from original inquiry all the way through to delivery and how much time you're working on the admin of your business. So it's putting all of these numbers into a formula and it's coming out with a target session average of saying like, okay, I want to shoot 50 clients a year and I need my target session average to be $1,500. So I'm going to save you a whole lot of math right now and tell you that as a general rule, I've seen so many photographers do this calculation. And if they are looking to earn, I don't know, 50 or $60,000 of profit in their business, then generally it's about 50,000 or to 50,000 clients. That would be a lot. We'd be really tired. <laughs> it's usually about 50 or 75 clients at about a $1,500 average. $1,500 to $2,000 is generally the ballpark that most people end up wanting to be in to hit the numbers that they want to earn based on the number of hours they want to work in their business and the number of hours it takes to go through a um, client session from beginning to end. So that is by far the most important number to figure out though, is to have an idea of what you want to make. Because one of the challenges that I think a lot of people have when they first get into this industry, and I did the same. I remember I was at my sister-in-law's house, New Jersey. I was still working. I think I was still working at the aviary. I can't remember if I had left that job or not, or I might've been on maternity leave and thinking, you know, what do I want to do next? Anyway, regardless, I was very early in my photography journey. I don't think I was in business yet. And I remember her telling me about somebody that was doing mini sessions at their local park for like $50 each and just doing a whole bunch of people from this mom's group. It's like, oh, wow, you know, I can charge like $175 per client to do a full session. I'm making like $175 a day. Wow, I'm gonna be making so much money. And if it's just digital files and don't really have any cost of goods sold, I'm gonna be making so much money. So this is a trap that many of us fall into when we're first starting to explore this world of photography and portrait photography, whether pets or families or newborns or whatever genre you are photographing, is we look at this all-inclusive model and we look at these digital files and we think, oh man, that's all profit. Yeah, it's not. Turns out it is not because there's a lot of time invested in that. There is a lot of business expenses. I mean, just add up how much all your photography gear costs, how much your computer costs, how much education costs, all of these different things, taxes. Just There's so much. There's so much. So it actually costs quite a bit of money to run our business properly. So working in a situation in which you're charging just a couple of hundred dollars for a session, unless you have a very high volume business, which can be done. But the way I was looking at it was like, oh, I'll meet a new client, you know, maybe three days a week. Because here's the other thing, you can't be shooting every day, because uh, you need time to run your business and edit those images and do all of those things. And maybe a day off every now and again, and weather delays, things like that. So Having a client every single day is often not scalable unless you're a studio shooter and you're going for that high volume. Like I said, it is possible to have a high 
volume model that is very, very profitable. But most of us in general in the hair of the dog community are looking to create more of a boutique business experience with having less than 100 clients in a year, in which case we need to make more per client to reach our financial goals and to not make ourselves crazy by working all the hours of all the days and nights and weekends and holidays and all of the things. So Again, this is where that target session average comes into play. So for the sake of moving forward here, let's just let's just estimate that we want a $1500 target session average because I think that probably is one of the the most common between there and 2000. So that's our first step. Number 2 step in determining our pricing is figuring out what we want to offer. Do you want to sell just digital files? There's nothing wrong with that. For those of you guys that are, you know, want to sell and focus on digital files, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the challenge. The challenge comes in that digital files are often seen as a commodity, like a banana. (laughs) You know, if you went to one store and the bananas were 40 cents each, and then you went to another store and they're $2 each, you're going to be like, well, why the heck are these bananas so much more expensive over here than they are at that other store? Digital files are very similar. The general public does not necessarily see the difference in our work for why photographers A's digital files are $2,000 and photographer B's digital files are $200. So therein lies the conundrum when you're offering digital files only. And since we figured out our target session average, that means we need to be making at least $1,500 per client for our sales. So it can be kind of challenging to have a digital file focused business and be commanding that much money for your digital files. It's not impossible. It's just one of the challenges I want you to be aware of if you are considering focusing on selling digital files only. Now, if you want to do products, my favorite thing is products with digital files. So the clients get the digital files that they think they want, and they're also getting the products that they actually um, are going to love much more than the digital files over the course of many years. And I'm creating artwork that fills my heart and my soul. Like there is nothing like seeing the photographs that I've taken printed on big, beautiful wall pieces. It's my most favorite thing ever, or a beautiful album or whatever products you love. So you can go ahead and combine those and either include those digital files with your products. You can have it as an add-on. Lots of different ways to do that. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit when we talk about pricing strategy. But for here, our step number two is determine what products those are. So I don't want you to go to your lab open up their website and say, I need to offer all of these and 37 different finishes on my prints and canvases and metals and acrylics and holograms and all of the things because they offer it. So I need to offer it because my clients might want it. Yeah, no, that's overwhelming. I went to a furniture store when I was visiting friends in Boston. It's this giant furniture store. It's like six levels, huge. And they have like this little ropes course. It was rainy. So we took the kids to do the ropes course. And that's like, great. I'm going to go look at furniture because I love looking at model homes and I love furniture shopping. So I took a quick spin around upstairs. You guys, I'm glad I wasn't actually shopping for a couch because there were literally 17 rooms of couches, 17 rooms of couches. And to make matters worse, they weren't even like in the same room, you know, because you could at least in the same room, look at two kind of at the same time or sit on them kind of back and forth. But when you have to go through 14 or 17 different rooms to get to the other one, you forget 
what the other couch felt like, I couldn't imagine shopping for um, a couch at that particular furniture store. So what's my point here? My point here is that we should not offer so many products that we feel like a client shopping for a couch at that furniture store. (laughs) Because overwhelmed minds are just going to say, oh, nope, never mind. Forget it. Just give me the digitals. I'm out of here. Or uh, never mind. I'm going to go somewhere else. So we want to have a streamlined product menu. And it is, it's okay to have one or two or max three types of wall art or three types of albums. But really, you can start with one type of wall art, one album, some prints, some digital files. That's it. That's all you actually need. I would go as far as to say you really could do a business with just one type of wall art and some prints, digital files. That's it. You don't need a gazillion things. Sure. Is it nice to find a beautiful new product and add it? Yeah, of course. You know, so so we can definitely have things to offer our clients. But we just want to make sure we're not offering too many things. And the other point I want to make on products is that I want you to choose products that you love. Products that you love how they look with your work. Don't choose products just because you think they're trendy. Your clients will be attracted to your products and your artwork because you love it. Same thing with your your craft and your art and the images you create. Don't just create images because you're like, oh, this is what must sell. No, create the images that speak to your heart and you're going to attract the people that also love that. So same thing with products. So here's our homework again. Remember, target session average, then figure out what products. Just make a little list of what products you love. All right. So then number three, we're moving on to our pricing strategy. There are a few different types of pricing strategy. We can have the good old fashioned collections, which is, you know, option A, option B, option C at different price points. We could have a bonus schedule, which is if you purchase a wall piece, you save 50% on your digital files. Or we could do a create your own collection such as choose something from here, choose something from here, choose something from here and save on your entire order. So those are the three main pricing strategies. There are pros and cons to all three. I have used all three. My two personal favorites are actually collections and the bonus schedule. And I actually like to work with both of those in tandem together because one of the challenges with collections is when you have somebody come in, look at your collections and say, oh, I want all that, but can I sub this for that because I don't want that? Or can I change this or that? Yeah, no, that gets really confusing. So that's one of the downsides of collections. But the upside is that it's really clear for consumers. They come in, they see the the collections, it gives them estimated spending points. They see what's in included. They understand how it works. So I love them. But if you work with those along with a bonus schedule, then you have an easy way to say when they want to sub things, say, okay, I totally understand that, you know, these collections aren't right for everyone. So I also offer this bonus schedule so that you can, you know, get exactly what you want. And that bonus schedule, because so many consumers do want the digital files to have for their computer and their home and their, you know, archives or to print some prints or a little calendar or things like that, that having those as the bonus works really, really well, but it doesn't have to be. Your bonus schedule could be order a wall piece and get an album 50% off or order an album and save $400 on a 16 by 20 or larger wall piece. Like you can create these bonus schedules based on whatever 
you want to be selling. So this is why that step before figuring out what products we love, figuring out what products we want to sell is very, very critical. Are you guys starting to see how it's next to impossible to come up with a pricing strategy if you don't know how much you want to make and what you want to be focused on selling? I hear it all the time. Nicole, what's the most popular products for pet photography? You guys, it's what you love. I know photographers that sell mostly all albums. Their messaging's around the albums. They love the albums. They sell the albums. They have plenty of clients buying albums. My clients rarely buy albums. Usually my clients are buying a wall piece and adding on the digital files. And you know what? That's because I love selling wall pieces. Uh, I don't love selling the albums as much. I actually don't shoot for album sales as much as I used to. My sessions nowadays tend to be a little bit more streamlined with a little bit more focus on creating a wall piece and then having a few extra digitals as well. So it all depends on how you want to work. So anyway, sorry, a little tangent there. Let's jump back to this pricing strategy. So those collections, bonus schedule, create your own collection, as I mentioned, is choosing something from different buckets, and then they save on their whole order. So the challenge with that, I did that for for a while, and it was good. I The bottom line is all of these worked. And all of these different pricing strategies re- strategies resulted in approximately a very similar target sale for me, about $2,500 to $3,000. And so they'll work. So I don't want any of you to get hung up on, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Which one do I choose? Just pick one. Just pick one and try it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it will work because it's not that packaging pricing container that dictates our average sale. It's how we set it up and how we encourage people to do what we want them to do. So how do we do that? By offering special incentives to continue down the path. You basically create a little path for them to walk as they go through their pricing, as they go through the experience. So for instance, my current path is let's choose wall art. We're shooting for wall art. I also do have a digital file option too for people that are mainly interested in digital files. So let me back up here. Basically, the new way that I've been doing my pricing this year, and I've been enjoying it, is that I talk to my client and I tell them I basically have two options. Your artwork, your way is my tagline. And it is a digital file option or a wall art option. And the wall art comes with a big, beautiful piece of wall art and um, two additional prints and digital files of those three. And then the digital file collection is an album block with 10 images and those 10 digital files. And so they can choose or if they want, they can also do a create your own collection or or sorry, a bonus schedule type thing where they choose a wall art and they can add on all the digital files too. So that way they kind of have the best of both worlds, excuse me, which is what I actually named that one. So anyway, the art of that pricing is what really leads people down the path to get them to purchase exactly what you want and getting them to spend somewhere near that target session average of what you need in order to have a sustainable business. We dive into, gosh, more of that in the academy. Like I said, it is really my zone of genius to give feedback to people's pricing guides and help them make a couple tweaks that result in so much more sales for them. So remember, if you guys are an Academy member, 
hit me up on a laser coaching or office hours and I would love to give you feedback on your pricing. If you're an Elevate, ask myself or the other coaches on one of our calls. And if you want information on either of those, just head on over to hairofthedogacademy.com slash academy or hairofthedogacademy.com slash elevate. We would love to have you in either program. All right, even though I've been talking a little bit about the art of photography pricing, I want to also speak to the science. And I might have gotten a little ahead of myself because the art usually comes in after you figure out the science, but I couldn't in good conscience do this podcast without mentioning the science of pricing. And that is where we dive into our cost of goods sold. I know COGS, a four letter word, you guys are probably running away, like turning off the podcast now. Like I don't want to hear it, Nicole. You guys, so important. So, so important. This is where that 25% cost of goods sold comes into play. And that is an industry benchmark. Um, PPA, Professional Photographers of America, has done numerous studies of different photography studios across the country, retail-based, home studio-based, on-location-based. And they have found that 25% cost of goods sold is really the ceiling of expenses for our products to have a sustainable business. Does that mean that everything has to be marked up four times? Because Nicole, have you seen the price of my 30 by 40 acrylic? I get it. I get it. Um, It means that the average of your markup needs to be 25%. So what that looks like on my price list is that my lower items, like my 11 by 14, might actually be marked up five times. So it has like a 15 or 20% cost of goods sold, where my very large framed acrylic might only be marked up three times because that's such a higher price point. I have plenty of profit on that, only marking it up three times. And how I choose that is to kind of make sense on the jumps on my price list. So I don't have like a $600 jump from one size to another. They kind of go up in some fairly consistent two to three to $400 increments, depending on what the prices of those are. But so the main takeaway here is that those smaller items might be marked up a bit more than those larger items in terms of percent. So for your homework, here is to take those products that we figured out in step two, the products that you love that you want to sell, figure out what sizes you want to offer, and then figure out what your costs are in that product. And test them out with a markup of four times. That would give you a 25% cost of goods sold. So if this wall piece costs $150, then you would want to sell it for approximately $600 because that's 150 times four. And that works really, really well for wall art. Where this markup strategy does not work well is for albums or prints. And that is because albums have so many more images in it. And the time that you spend getting those albums ready, editing all of those images in the album is significantly more than the time you're going to spend to prep one file for one wall piece. So therefore, albums, I have found generally I like to see them at a markup of about 10 times so that they have an actual 10% cost of goods sold if you're looking at just those hard costs because then it accounts for your time that you have been spending on that album. So wall art, mark it up times four. Albums, mark it up times 10. And then there's prints. (laughs) Prints and digital files. And these are like the Wild West because I can't tell you how many times I see a photographer offering a print for $8 or $25. 
gosh, anything under 50, but really even anything under 75 becomes really, really challenging to have enough profit there. And that is because the cost of goods for that print, the actual hard cost that you have to spend to get that print, you know, even if it's mounted, it's $10. There's just not enough profit marking that up times five, four, then you're only earning 30 or $40 on that print. And that doesn't even cover the time that you spent to edit and upload that image and package it, not to mention the packaging and the delivery and the time to shoot and all of those things. So there is this minimum time component that we need to make sure that we get paid for, which in my experience tends to be eight to 12 hours per client if you're running a boutique business. So if you're making 30 or $40 profit on a print divided by 10, it's like three or $4 an hour before your taxes and expenses, not going to be able to be sustained. But herein lies the challenge with prints. Those prints are one of those like banana-like commodities where people kind of expect them to be a certain price. So one of the things I do in my business with prints is a floppy print never, ever, ever under any circumstance ever leaves my studio because a floppy print is quickly equated to a print at Costco or Walgreens or some other big box drugstore. And when I only allow mounted prints with a linen texture and a UV coating to leave my studio, oh, all of a sudden clients can't compare that to the other things they've seen. So now it has more value. Now they don't know what it actually cost me and it's just inherently more valuable. The other thing I do to protect myself from that print sale, because I never want to tell a client no. So when somebody calls and they are just looking for an eight by 10 print, maybe a big one of 11 by 14, I want to be able to steer the conversation and let them know what I offer without telling them no, without telling them, hey, yeah, I would love to do that, but you need to buy more than that. I mean, you can have a minimum purchase requirement. I don't really love that though. Like what if I went into a clothing store and I just wanted a pair of earrings, but they're like, no, you have to buy a pair of jeans too. Well, I don't really like your jeans. Like it just doesn't sit well to me as a consumer. So I'm not a huge fan. There's nothing wrong with it. Some people do it very successfully. The way I like to protect myself from the people that might want to purchase one print or around Christmas time want just one digital file for the Christmas card is to not sell single prints or digital files. Of course, if somebody comes in and they purchase a wall piece and an album and they just want a print for their desk, you know I'm going to sell them a single print. That's fine. But I don't need to put in my product guide in my conversations with inquiries, letting them know that I sell a single print. I can sell those in a minimum package of five, which takes my cost of those up to at least $500, which for me is the minimum amount I need to make on a shoot to not lose money. You guys, that's not even to not make money. That is to not lose money for the time that I have spent. And really at $500, I probably am still losing some money. It really needs to be at least $1,000 that I make on a shoot in order for it to be at all reasonably profitable. So that is one way to protect yourself from that print digital file pricing. Because prints, you can only increase, and digital files, you can only increase so much because there is that market pressure, like those bananas. It's a little bit of a commodity. People kind of know what they might feel like they should cost. So that is just something to consider. And then digital files. Oh, digital files. Digital files, people are always asking, what should my price be? 
And the real answer is whatever your price needs to be to encourage your clients to do whatever you wanted to do to get them to that target session average and purchase the products you want. (laughs) There really isn't a formula here. Pricing your digital files is really an art form. And, you know, for instance, for my way that I like to price, which is, okay, let's buy that wall art. And then you get like a bonus schedule, buy the wall piece and you save on digital files. Okay. I'll figure out most people get a 16 by 24 to a 20 by 30 wall piece is kind of the average prices. So maybe that costs like $7.95 to $9.95 on those two sides. And I want to make $2,000 on a sale, um, somewhere 1500 to 2000. So I need to then have that digital file add-on be at least $1,000. So then I can look at, okay, to add on digital files for 1,000, is that the whole session? Is it 10? Is it 20? You can make that up. You can figure out what it is that makes sense for your workflow and how you work and how much time you have and how many images you usually create in a session. And then double it and there's your retail price for your digital files. So my retail price for digital files would be $2,000. But if they purchase a 16 by 24 or larger wall piece that starts at $7.95, they can get the digital files for half off. So you can do the math. That's actually less expensive than if they purchased the digital files on their own. Why on earth would I do that? I do that because it fills my soul to give them this beautiful piece of art that they are going to love forever and ever. And they still get those digital files. It kind of moves them into a value seeking because instead of like, man, $2,000 for those digital files, it's like, oh, well, I can get this beautiful piece of art and then look at what I'm saving. They become a value seeker. So this is what I mean with the art of pricing. So to go over high level, again, how we price those individual products, it is wall art times four, albums times 10, prints, uh, only collections of five, gosh, at least for like $350, $400. And then digital files, well, we're making those up based on what our target session average is. So to recap this whole podcast today of how to start to look at your pricing, number one, we want to figure out our target session average. Number two, we want to figure out what products we want to sell. Number three, we want to price those products. And then number four, we jump into the art of pricing in which we start to look at the different ways that we can encourage people to get up to our target session average with encouraging them to purchase what we want them to purchase and giving them what they want as well. So that is where that art of pricing comes into play. Now, If you guys are like, oh my gosh, totally overwhelmed, don't worry. Don't forget, I have that free pricing training at hairofthedogacademy.com slash pricing. Jump on over, feel free to join us, completely free. And um, I also wanted to mention something else. And these are the questions that determine if you need to update your pricing. So you might be like me, possible CPA one day, maybe in another universe nerd that loves spreadsheets, loves numbers and playing with pricing is like one of my most favorite things to do in my business. So I get, I don't know, I want to change my pricing a lot. I get inspired to like test out different things when I see different ways of pricing or get some ideas. It's 
I, I just love to do that, but not always the best business decision to be changing your pricing all the time. So if you are tempted like I am, I have a couple questions for you to ask yourself to determine if you need to update your pricing. Number one, are you hitting your target session average regularly? You won't hit it every single session, but as an average, are you hitting that target session average? Number two, are you selling what you want to be selling? And then number three, Are your cost of goods sold averaging under 25%? It's okay if one session's 30% and one session's 20% because that means you're averaging 25%. So make sure that your cost of goods sold are averaging under 25% per session. So if you can say yes to those three questions, your pricing is fine. There is no need to go blow up your pricing and start again. And if you're getting started with your pricing, ask yourself these questions periodically. Have a client or two check in with those questions. Have another client or two check in with those questions. And then it is going to tell you if you need to adjust anything simply by asking these three questions. Number one, are you hitting that target session average regularly? Number two, are you selling what you want to be selling? And number three, are your cost of goods coming in below 25%? So... That is my high level Cliff Notes version of pricing. Man, I love some pricing. Thanks so much for joining me again. Don't forget to jump back to episode number 79 if you want to listen to the series from the beginning. And the next two weeks, we have workflow coming up next week. And then pillar six is marketing. So stay tuned. I can't wait to talk to you about those two pillars as well. Have a great week, everybody. And I'll talk to you soon. If you enjoy this podcast episode, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it up there on your Instagram stories and be sure to tag us at Hair of the Dog Academy. And we would just love to see how you're listening. And uh, full disclosure, sometimes we just like to give away a little pet photographer swag in the form of Hair of the Dog t-shirts and sweatshirts. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and share that screenshot of this episode. And don't forget to tag us at Hair of the Dog Academy. And while you're there, maybe you want to jump on over to our account and see what we're up to on the gram. Would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the links that we shared in this episode, as well as any additional related resources, simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 85. Once again, that's www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash the number eight and the number five. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website, at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.